0: Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, good morning, church. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, it is a good morning. It is a good morning. A huge congratulations again to those who were baptised today. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was on the front row, tears down my face. I just think it's one of the most powerful moments to stand with people who are making a public declaration for Christ and something that we should never be familiar with. It's a big moment. And speaking to a few of them before the service, people get nervous. It's a big step. So well done, church family, for standing with them and for encouraging them. Uh, It's fantastic. Um, We had a great weekend uh, this past weekend. Yesterday we had uh, 60 or so people come out for a pastor's uh, refreshing day, regional day. uh, Pastors from Helensburg down to Eden. And uh, it was a good day. And I just want to say also again a big thank you to the volunteers from our church family who came out this week. uh, Through the week, who are doing... Different maintenance things, different cleanups. And then yesterday, we had people out here just serving those pastors. So, thank you to those people. You're incredible. Um, And, Charlie, jump up here for a second. Um, So, yesterday, um, it was meant to be, I was meant to be getting prayed in. If you don't know, as the regional leader um, of a bunch of churches from Helensburg to Eden, there's probably 15, 20 churches, uh, which means helping them, um, encouraging them working with them, our church helping them. But yesterday, Charlie got asked by the state president if she would be uh, the co-leader of the region, uh, which means she is now going to be overseeing, especially the, the women, um, from Helensburg to Eden. Um, and she'll be co-leading that with me. Um, and that's a really big thing. It's a big job. Um, so just to say, it's something to celebrate as a church Also, for the women of the house, um, not only does does this beautiful lady um, have to look after or look after our church ladies, she also now has a responsibility of 20 churches and their pastor's wives and potentially their ladies. So if there was ever a chance to rally around her, now is the time. Um, So for sisterhood, um, be a part of that. Let's make Charlie's job an easy job. Um, she's also a full time high school teacher. She's also a full, pretty much works full time as a senior pastor. And she's married to me, which is a full time job. So let's give Charlie a hand. Thank you, Satya. You know, we, um, we don't take these things on lightly, uh, we pray them through. We're not ambitious with this stuff. Um, we just said, Holy Spirit. If it's your will for us and our church, um, then give us a peace. And we felt that peace. Um, But it is something our church is doing uh, for other churches. And it's actually a lot of work in it. Um, It's a lot of work for our administration, for our team here. But our heart will always be to keep our home base strong. Um, And together, our culture is that we will support each other in that. Um, So make sure you keep us in your prayers. in that, which is fantastic as well. And, you know, we'll just keep being us. We'll keep being Celebration Church. And basically through that, um, we'll bless, bless other churches, which is great. And as we know, we are a well of refreshing. So we declared that 12 months ago, 13 months ago, and since then, this has happened. We've got a worship team going out once a month to a church up in Wollongong, We've we'll got our youth team going and running camps and ministering to other youth ministries. God is definitely... It's funny when you declare a prophetic declaration how the fruit just starts to pop up. And sometimes that's scary. Sometimes it's like, whoa, maybe we're taking on a bit too, too many big bites. But then I remember that it's in our weakness, his power is made perfect. There should be an element of our lives which is dependent on him. You know, so that's why we're doing this. And I just believe it's only going to increase. And I keep declaring it, but I believe that we're going to see people literally traveling from around the nations to sit in this house, in this atmosphere, and they're going to be ca- catching planes, catching a train down to Bomo train station. And we'll be saying to some of you guys, hey, can you pick up this pastor and his wife? They're just coming for a weekend. Can you just pick them up and bless them? You know, that's what's on our house. Um, and it might seem like that's far away now, but that's the projection we're going on, and that's what God's doing in our hearts. He's preparing us in this season for that, which is great. This morning, for a couple of minutes, um, we're just going to come around the Word of God. He's ready for the Word of God. We're doing a month um, on miracles, and I'm loving hearing the testimonies of miracles We've had such a a great amount of people just sharing different testimonies of what God is doing in and through their life. We do have um, up the back now a miracle wall. Miracle, yeah, that's what we'll call it. Basically, it's where you can put your prayer requests up and also your testimonies up at any time. You can do it anonymously if you want. Um, And we have a prayer team in church who will pray for your prayer needs. Also, it's great to be... Good with testimony. Testimony, and I'm going to speak on it in a couple of weeks. Um, If you think about a a bonfire, a testimony is uh, basically uh, you have a fire, and every time someone shares what God has done, it's like having a group of people around that fire getting a branch each and chucking it on the fire. What happens is that fire just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the great thing about that is that as we share our stories and our testimonies, what God's doing here gets bigger and bigger. I've got a, a board meeting today, an oversight meeting, and one of the things I'm going to say to them is, between now and March next year, I want us to become exceptional at being a church of testimony. I want to have every week us getting up here and some, somebody sharing some crazy testimony of what God has done. And so we're going to be focusing more and seeing that because it just adds fuel to the fire. Of what God has done and is doing in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to, uh, let me see, well, I turn to our main passage today, which is 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. This week coming up is a miracle week. Um, it's a miracle week in my life, and I declare it in your life, in the church life. We've got a miracle month happening, but this next seven days for me, I'm really going to be seeking God when it comes to breakthrough in miracles. Not just for me, but for you. I encourage you to have the same prayer this week. To have the same faith this week. We have to understand this morning that our God is a God of miracles. We just sang it, but do we believe it? Do we read it in the Bible and think that's great for the Bible? Or do we actually realise that our normality today is to be people who are working at all times in the miracle realm? Can I hear an amen? amen? We must remember that it's unusual for a Christian not to have an appetite for the impossible. If you don't really care about seeing miracles happen, you've got to look at your DNA for a second. Why? Because the scripture, if you read Jesus' life, what is the predominant theme Apart from his great love, it's the miracles he did. So, if we're called to be people of Christ likeness, who knows that we're called to be people who believe that God does impossible things? Can I hear an amen? The thing is, we don't step out in faith often because we're scared, because we don't feel like it's comfortable. And so, we don't want to take the risk. What if I pray for someone who's unwell? What if they don't get better? What if I reach out, you know, next week's a miracle offering. What if I give to the place and to the point of where it actually costs me something? How's that going to go? My budget will be out for a week or two or a month. It doesn't, you see, we get into the comfort zone. But the comfort zone is the enemy to the revival zone. If you're writing notes, you need to write that down because it's so true. You won't ever do anything big and supernatural for God if you live a life of simple comfort. But let's be real, we all like comfort. I love comfort. Last night was our, we had a big day yesterday. Last night was, it was spaghetti. No, wait, wait. It was cheese and crackers. It was entree. It was a prosciutto as well. Other things of this nature. It was spaghetti Saturday which is a good spaghetti that I've perfected, passed down for generations. And then it was the Wallabies, which was terrible. I found myself, my blood pressure getting very high. So I turned that off at one point and we put a movie on to try and salvage the night. (laughs) But the thing is, is that I enjoyed it because I was just, I had my... I had my posse on the couch. I've got, we've got got a two-seater, we have a three-seater. For some reason, I always choose to lay on the two-seater with my legs hanging over the end. And I don't know why. It is a weird holiday thing, but not a holiday thing. So my smaller wife has this huge three-seater. She doesn't need the three-seater. I need the huge three-seater. I, I choose to sacrifice for you, yes, but, but it actually, it actually gets, it gets a bit weirder because what happens is that through the novel she will go from the three-seater, I'm on this two-seater where literally my, it's like my body and then my legs are hanging over the edge. And then she'll come over and go, Can I just squeeze in? And she will squeeze in under my legs on the two seater with my legs over her on this little two seater, squished. And there is a perfectly good three seater, empty, luxurious, and we're squished on a two seater. She likes to be close, yeah. <laughs> And then Sally comes over, who's our 56-kilo dog, and jumps up, and she wants to be on the two-seater. It is a holiday moment. But, you know, the reality is I like to be comfortable. I don't like to be uncomfortable, I don't know what it sounds like, it just then. In my Christian faith, I like to be comfortable. I don't know about you, I love being comfortable. I love it when i got all my bills paid, all my provisions there, all my, you know, the the church is going, everything's everything's nice, everything's rosy. I don't need to think, I don't need to trust God that much because it's just all working out. Well, the reality is, is that trust starts when my understanding stops. So it's when I don't have the answer that I need God to do something and I know that if I get comfortable, let's think about King David, when did he get into trouble with Bathsheba? It was when he wasn't at war, he was hanging out at the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just he wasn't, he wasn't in his call, he was hanging out at home. Yeah. And then he got in trouble because he was in a place of confidence that had been in a place of revival. Yeah. Yeah. And we look at the New Testament, we look at Jesus' life, we look at Paul, we look at Peter, we look at all these amazing men of God, and let's be real, the theme that we see throughout that is that they are often in places of discomfort whether they're traveling and it's uncomfortable, whether they were ministering and doing things and didn't have enough and needed God to move, or whether they were literally in jail and shipwrecked. There were places where they needed God to move. And so today I know, if I'm really being honest with you, that we love to be comfortable, but we have to understand that God actually often will move in places of discomfort. It's when we walk on the water, not in the cruise ship, that we get a bit uncomfortable but where incredible testimonies take place. You see, this next seven days, for me, we're leading up to this miracle offering next week, and we can be really natural about that and go, you know, well, it's just about money, and it's just about trying to fundraise and that type of stuff. And to a degree, there's elements of that. But for me, it's more than that. For me, I believe it's a breakthrough moment. I actually believe that Charlie and I have an amount we're going to give, and it's going to cost us, and it's not comfortable. We have to understand that biblically and King David said this he said I will not offer something that costs me nothing yeah. you see often we give our tithe and we feel like we're giving but let me ask you the question is it giving if you're giving back to someone what's already theirs is it giving if that 10% is already God's yeah. yeah it's not really giving well giving starts at the extra yeah. Yeah. giving starts at something more and so next week, I encourage you, come along here and realize the supernatural moment. Yeah. Right, it's a moment of breakthrough. I encourage you to go into the scripture this week and realize and, and, and study all the moments where there was a great touch of God and realize and notice that every time there was a moment of sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. There was a moment where the person would stop and offer an altar, yeah. where they would stop and they would give something. What's the altar for Celebration Church? Next Sunday is an altar moment for us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. It actually really is. Spiritually, it's an altar moment. It's us going, God, this is above what we normally do. This is a a once-a-year thing that we do as a church family. This is like we're going to go above and beyond, and we're going to give above and beyond because we're giving beyond ourselves in Jesus' name. So here's a question for you. Let me read you some scripture, actually and we'll get to our main scripture. Luke chapter 18, verse 27, Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. What a cool, amazing thing. When someone gives you a prognosis and it looks impossible with man... It is possible with God. When you don't have the money in your account and you've been a good steward but you still don't have the money in the account and the bill comes in and the car breaks down and, the, and God says what is impossible with man is possible with God. We have to come back to the normality of what Jesus wants which is impossible things are where he lives. How much of Jesus' life was dependent upon his good personality? How much was dependent upon his ability to communicate clearly? How much was dependent upon how well he dressed? Not much, if any. What was dependent upon him and what happened to him was he was the miracle worker. He was the one that you could go to when you went to the doctor for 12 years with an issue of blood and he came and, and, and he would heal. Or the one where if you needed a lunch break and you had no food and hadn't eaten for three days and... A boy came and said, take my fish and loaves. And Jesus takes it and he hands it out. He feeds and provides. The woman caught in adultery who should have been stoned legally, should have been um, taken away and, and killed. In the moment, this amazing grace happens and Jesus shows her this unfailing love. That was an impossible moment. So the question I have for us this morning is this. How much of our day today is dependent on him? How much of our day today right now in our lives, if it wasn't for him, would fall over? How much of our life today is dependent upon the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit? Because if we took the Christian tag off ourself, what would change? If you took the Christian tag off yourself, Would your workmates be able to tell much of a difference? And I'm not talking about you might swear a few bit more or something. I'm talking about is your life so radically different because of Jesus that if you... They've got to understand something. Being a Christian was a badge of honour back here. Honour if you're a Christian, dishonour if you're a non-Christian. So they said, oh, you must be a Christian because you're so much like Jesus. As Christians, we have to actually realize our lives should reflect Jesus. Comfort will come in often and rob us from relying on the supernatural part of God. Again, I ask you the question: How much of your life today is reliant on God, that if God didn't turn up, it would fall apart? I understand something, though, this morning, church. Often we go to God for miracles when we're in the mess. Instead, God actually wants us, and by the way, that's a good thing, and I always do that, but understand something. There's a higher level, and the higher level is this. I live a lifestyle of miracles. Yeah. I live a lifestyle. I don't, I don't need to wait to the day when I get a bad prognosis for me to trust God for miracles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can actually be somebody who every day can live in a realm that I need God to move. And by living in that realm, what happens is our testimonies start to flow. And what's a testimony? It's a test that's been passed through the power of Jesus, and your testimony overcomes the devil. According to Revelation, you overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And so when you're starting to live a life where you're relying on God, where well, you can't do it in your strength, but you do it according to the power of the Holy Spirit, then you actually start to live a life that gives glory to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not glory to yourself. Now, I'm all for people using their gifts and talents. I'm all for people, I think that's, that's God's heart. But there's always a higher level. Yeah. Charlie and I get given uh, the opportunity to take on the region and a bunch of pastors and their churches. That is out of our natural energy level. We know that. We're just taking on a church. That's a huge job in itself. Now taking on 20 other churches' responsibilities and helping them. Okay, we can sit there and work it out on paper. Or we can go, God, what are you saying right now? Knowing that in our life, we've understood some principles. And one of them is this, that when we rely on him, when we feel like we're overwhelmed, he comes through. Remember, we're the couple that went to open houses with no money in the bank. Yeah, We're the couple that were negotiating with agents with no cash in the bank, knowing that spiritually it was already in the bank because God had put it on our hearts that we'll have our own home. And we're the couple that packed up our whole house for seven months and didn't have any visitors, nobody around. We had boxes everywhere because we're weirdos because we trusted God. But guess what? Within 12 months, the promise came about and we we're in our own home. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we felt like, and if you don't know that testimony, at some point I'll share that. We just, we just felt like God had something for us and we thought faith without works is dead. This is such a cool scripture, and we're going to get to our core scripture in a second. Is this okay this morning? This is, I think this is good. So it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, "'My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words,' but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So what is our normal church? It isn't that I get up here and try and bamboozle you with my big wise words. Bamboozle right there. Well, bang. (laughs) If that was a goal, it wouldn't be very successful because I don't use big wise words. But we have this amazing person called the Holy Spirit. And today, you know, you can, we can sit there and, and just be like critiquing the message and me- or we can be saying, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Yes. And often God will speak to you in a service and it won't be, well, what I say? It'll be just, you just sense something in your heart. It'll be something completely different, but there is just a, an anointing and a grace on the service and, and that prayer you've been praying, God gives you an answer to. And you see, I don't mind if when I'm preaching, you don't listen to anything I say as long as you're hearing what he is saying. Yes because I don't care what I have to say. Yeah, there's going to be good things, but also uh, what he says. Hear what he is saying, because he is speaking to the church. He is speaking to your heart. I encourage us as a church, let's be a church that relies on the supernatural power of God. 2 uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 says this. 2 Kings 4. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I am supernatural. You are supernatural. Turn to your other neighbor and say, You are supernatural. <laughs> Good song. Two, 2 Kings chapter 4. Let's just look at this for a moment. This is a really awesome bit of scripture. Um, Piece of scripture. It says in Two Kings chapter four verse one. It says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, "Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know what he, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves." Think about this with me. She couldn't pay her bills, and instead of declaring bankruptcy, her children will go into slavery. That is a very dire situation if you ever needed a miracle it is right there and then imagine if your children were going to be sold into slavery for your debts verse 2 Elisha replied to her how can I help you tell me what do you have in your house your servant has nothing there at all she said except a small jar of olive oil Elisha said in verse 3 he said Go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars and don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour all into all the jars and as each is filled, put, one to, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons and the, they brought the jars to her and they, she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another. And he replied, there is no jars left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on them, whatever is left. A miracle takes place. It says here that basically she needed a miracle. (laughs) She had nothing. She had a little bit. What was in her house, she had what she had. It was a little bit of olive oil. And basically, the man of God says to her, go. He says, you know, give it. Give what you can. Go and collect all the jars from all your neighbors. Don't just get a couple. Get as many as you can, because he knew what was going to happen. I bet you when that oil stopped flowing, she probably went, oh, I should have got some more. (laughs) Imagine if I got three times the amount of jars. Oh, I could be a millionaire right now. Like, so Because she sold it to pay off her debt and live off the rest. She was building up her super. That was her moment. And when it comes here, we we see this amazing example of the miracle-working power of God, and it applies to us as a church because this church, our church, is an incredible church. But we're not a million, multi-million-dollar church with all you know, all the trimmings and all the no, no. We are a bunch of good-hearted people in South Now who believe that God could use us. And we've got to understand that we just need to take the oil that we have and give it and actually go, God, we believe that you can fill up our church according to the power of the Holy Spirit to overflowing because you have to understand the oil that flows here isn't just for us. It's for the people of our city. It's for the spiritual slaves in our city. It's for the spiritual orphans and widows and those who don't know Christ to say, listen, we're the widow in South Now. We're the ones who say, we're going to give our bit, knowing that when God gets a hold of it, the oil starts to flow. You see, for Charlie and I next week, it's about saying, God, we're going to give our bit. Let the oil flow. Listen, give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and what, church? Running over. The measure you use, we measure back. And so when it comes to us as a community, I encourage you, we're going to be giving to some really, really amazing things, but it starts with looking at the spiritual impact. We need miracles in our church. Right now in our church, we need miracles. I don't know if you know, but we do. For me as a pastor, I think we need the miracle of just seeing your spirit poured out in a powerful way. We need the miracle of people realising what's inside of them. We need the miracle of people getting into discipleship and discipling other people who never have. We need the miracle of people bringing their friends to the banquet. You see, they're they're very real miracles at the moment. We need the miracle of more volunteers on our teams because often it's the 20% that do most of the work. That's a miracle for me. When we ask for people to help, I'm saying, God, I, I, I know how stubborn sometimes people can be. Help us. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're here and you can serve, we need helpers in our cafe. If you've got hospitality experience, help. Yeah. Okay. Ange is one of our greatest blessings, but she needs help in the kids. Yeah. 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 We don't want Ange to be worked to the bone, do we? No. Of course not. Well, let's help her. <laughs> yeah. good. Very good. Across the board, there's always these opportunities and when it comes to our church the great thing about our church is there's such a huge call on our church to help others and the fact is this lady she she gave and she was obedient to God and she was sacrificial and notice she had a choice right now the widow had two choices work out my situation naturally in other words I have a little bit of oil what can I do with it Or do I just make a last meal and for me and my sons and that's it, the last meal together? Or her other choice was stepping out in faith, giving and seeing a miracle. You know, in life, you'll always have two choices. You'll always have two choices. Rely on yourself, thinking it's a, for us men, it's a manly thing to do. I've got to be self-reliant. Or relying on God, giving our best and letting God do the rest. That is always the better option. I encourage you, don't wait for a mess before you need the miracle. Instead, live a lifestyle of miracles. We have to understand that when miracles happen, they happen in two areas as well. We have miracles that affect us, me, and there's miracles that affect others. And we can work in the realm of miracles and say, God, I need a miracle for me, and that's a good thing. Always pray for that, believe for that. Charlie and I have a bunch of miracles we're believing for right now. God, come and move. But we're also believing for somebody else. This widow, no doubt, was believing for herself, but she was also believing for her sons. I encourage you today to be a miracle worker in the power of the Holy Spirit both for your own life and for somebody else. Be somebody who brings a miracle to somebody else. By doing so, we actually share the goodness and faithfulness of God. Turn to your neighbour and say, you are a miracle worker. You are a miracle worker. (laughs) All right, as we conclude, as we conclude... Let's just round this out. Last year, our church gave a very generous offering for our miracle offering. I was actually amazed with how much our church gave. We gave a a lot. We also gave towards other things last year, which were above and beyond. I am always amazed at the generosity of God's people. This year, I'm looking forward to seeing what God's people do. Last year, we gave, and I went towards things like, just to refresh your memory, um, we we painted and rebranded our church. I don't know if you remember the pre-colour of our church. How many colours was there, Joel? I think there was 11 different colours across the life of our church building. And shades of those colours, yeah. Since then, we um, we've painted... We've rebranded, which costs a lot of money to do that. Look at our website. It's redone. Look at all of, our, all of that stuff that's gone into that. Our kids' rooms, I don't know if you noticed recently, have just been repainted inside and out. Yeah, amazing. Big thank you to our kids' team and volunteers who, who just spent hours just painting that, making it beautiful for our future generations. Last year, money went towards renovating our offices. Um, we had amazing, is it called shag carpet? It was thick green or purple carpet, yeah. and it was thick. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. It was good for 20, 20 years. We had it there, but we needed an upgrade. So we, we, we renovated that and put floorboards in. And now when we have guests here, it's good because we can, they can Oh, well, they can't lay on the carpet though. That's the only (laughs) bad thing. It was thick carpet. (laughs) We upgraded different equipment, different things going on. Um, A large part of last year went to a drought affected farmers. Remember that? And we had a testimony from one of the farmers about how much it just really made an impact out west. Uh, really, really cool. Really powerful. God's house impacting others, which is just so beautiful. Um, yeah, a bunch of other things as well. This year, we've got some really cool things we're giving to um, as well. And, that, and next week, we'll um, expand on it a bit more. But just to, just to whet your appetite. Um, <laughs> So we're going to be, we often, with our giving, we, we like to focus on three areas. We focus on local, national, international. Um, when, it comes to, when it comes to international, we actually want to use part of our giving this year to um, go towards Beck Gallagher and her Cambodia mission stuff, which is good. Yeah. So next Sunday, we'll be chatting to her, interviewing her about what she does there. And, um, you know, not everyone here gets to be a bit of a missionary out there. But if we can send someone out on our behalf, let her do all the dirty work and we just give her the money, um, support her, of course. Hey, she's happy with that. Yeah, no worries. Um, so a part of it will be going towards that. Um, and Another part will be going towards... Um, uh, creating a safe outdoor area for our kids' ministry. Um, so what do I mean by that? I mean, when kids get dropped off across there at our kids' rooms, if you notice, there's no out- safe outdoor area for them at the front, so we have to lock them in the classrooms because the, there's a car park. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so <laughs> here's a bit of a concept drawing. Here's just what the existing classrooms are. This, then we have a second picture, I think. So we're gonna, we want to add fencing. At the moment, it's all asphalt down there, so it's going to be a big job. And then potentially, we're looking at, this is concept, by the way, looking at adding uh, playground handball, soft fall area, sand pit. Uh, just Again, this is concept stuff. Um, so it depends how much money we can raise. Um, it is a big job, just so you know, for those who aren't aware, to go, if you go over look over there, to pull up asphalt and to level and to put down soil or whatever all that stuff is, it's actually a very expensive exercise. So that's a bit of a faith one for us as a church. That's something we'll love to do. It just depends on how how much money we, we, we raise next week and how much we give. Um, but I just love that, that if we can just have parents drop their kids off and they have a really cool, modern, safe area um, and that type of thing. Last year, we talked about money going towards the kids. And just so you know, it did. We upgraded equipment for them. We renovated inside the classrooms. We painted the outside of the classrooms as well. Um, so we did go towards that. But this is actually probably the biggest project our church will have done in many years, um, looking at kind of the logistics of it. So that's a concept. So that's just that's what we're thinking of at the moment. Um, and the third area, which is a really cool area as well, um, is we want to give to um, a bunch of churches across our nation. Um, and so again, we come back to we are a well of refreshing. Um, and basically, uh, this is something that's very close to Charlie and my heart and our key team's heart here because I've worked with pastors my whole life, I've watched pastors my whole life, and there is a huge price that churches pay, and, sorry, pastors pay, When it comes to pastoring, it is unlike any profession. It is a very thankless profession. It is a very high burnout rate profession. Profession is probably the wrong word. Um, But when guys across our nation are in churches of 20, 30 people, and they're going through hard seasons, the question I have for us, and it's a challenging question, who cares for those who cares for others? Who refreshes those whose job is to refresh others? And um, so part of our heart is this. It's a very simple concept, but we would love to, my, my goal is 100 different churches, is to, um, to, to raise enough to give them each, um, the pastor and their wife, a really nice dinner voucher uh, from our church at a local nice, nice, i talking a nice place, and a handwritten prophetic encouragement from our church Um, Charlie and I will be praying through every church and asking the Holy Spirit, do you have a word for this church? And then we just want to send out across our nation and have them get in the mail, you know, here's a $150 voucher to a local winery or somewhere really beautiful, and just the kindness of God is still with you. God is still with you. Keep looking after the sheep of God. Don't give up. God loves you, and I'm telling you, church, we will receive dozens of testimonies of pastors who are thinking of giving up, who are thinking of walking away, who are thinking that God, you know, what, what's happening in my season, and if we can just be a well, you know, each one of those cards are, it's just, hey, have a glass, have some fresh water, have some fresh water. Hey, we're just a bunch of people in South Nara, but have some fresh water on us. And my, my heart in that is that we would bring breakthrough. Not just for us through that, yeah. but to a bunch of churches through that. Because yeah. the last thing i say on that is this. Understand something. If the enemy, the devil, if he can attack pastors, who suffers? Just think it through with me. The church. Yeah. Right. If the shepherds God's placed on the ground get attacked, what happens to the sheep? Yeah. They start biting each other. <laughs> they start wandering off. The wolves start coming in. So why is it that pastors, and my wife, she's, I grew up as a pastor's kid, I watched it my whole life. She's now been married to a pastor for nearly f- five years. She will tell you now. She sees it. She feels the spiritual weight of shepherding a group of people. It's very unique. It's very real. And it's not like any other profession here. It's something that carries a spiritual opposition to it. Because if I get flat, church, what's my preaching going to do for you? I'm going to start giving you dirty water. Yeah? yeah? yeah. You're going to start getting spit sick. If our team here isn't looked after, what happens is you start, to, you start to bear the fruit of that. But if we look after our pastors, if we pray for our pastors, yeah. Yeah. if we love our pastors, if we honour them, if we say, you know what, I've got your back. Yeah? Yeah? It sounds really silly, but the reality is, and the devil hates that talk because he doesn't want that. He thinks, keep your pastors humble. (laughs) Up there every week, they're they're the golden ones on the stage. It's not like that. It's the opposite. We're in the trenches washing feet all day. People's stinky feet all day. Spiritually, we're washing. And that's okay. That's an honor for us to do that. But we need to understand there is a cost. There is a grace that needs to be there for that. So when it comes to helping other pastors, yeah, I just, I don't know about you guys, but I just go, Ooh. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. there is a bunch of pastors right now in our nation who are parched, yeah. who are, they're spiritually feeling discouraged yeah. and they're feeling alone. Yeah. On behalf of you, we're going to say you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone, we're with you. Yeah. Oh, how cool is that? So next week, that a large part of our giving will go towards that. That's going to be our main focus this year. Last year we gave to spiritual drought. Uh, sorry, physical drought. This year I think we're going to be speaking to spiritual droughts. Just a taste test for you. So next Sunday we're going to be interviewing back. We're going to be expanding on that more. But remember, this week is a very spiritual week for our church. Every day, take time to ask the Holy Spirit, "What part can I play, Holy Spirit?" And I did hear one testimony this morning. Someone felt like God gave them an amount recently, or they had, sorry, they had an amount that they felt, and then the last week God said to them, I want you to double it. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> double it. I was like, okay, that's how God works. Yeah. That's how God works. Yeah. So for those who are willing today, yeah. let's play a part. Yeah. Again, it isn't, in, it isn't in equal giving. It's an equal sacrifice. Yeah person next to you can, might be able to give more, but it's about what you want to give from your heart yeah. in Jesus' powerful name. Does that sound good? Yeah. Hey, why don't we stand to our feet? Yesterday at our regional day, uh, Charlie, come up here. Yesterday at our regional day, we, um, we were handed the mic, and, uh, and Charlotte said, and they said, "Oh, Bernard, can you pray for everybody? And I said... Uh, I said, yeah, I can. I, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Actually, they said to us, "Let me get this right." They said, do "You want to say something?" So I just shared a bit of our church. I just shared our heart for the region is this that we would refresh you. Yeah. I said, "The first thing I want to do is I want to travel up and down the coast and I want to meet every pastor. I want to find out your story. I want to find out what's on your heart, and I want to I want to find out how we can support you." Yeah. So they're all there are they going? Awesome! <laughs> Someone's with us. Awesome! And then Charlotte says do the commission. And I thought, yes, we should. And I said to them, listen, as a church, and if you're new here, this is what it is. We do it every week here. I said, as a church, every week, we get our our, our married partners to hold hands. We get people to put their hand on the shoulder next to them if they're comfortable, which you can do now if you like. Um, And we pray a prayer of blessing over our church. We pray a prayer of dedication for the coming week, believing that there is power in unity. There is power and blessing. Yes. And I'm amazed at how many people find this as the highlight of the service. So we're like, let's keep doing it. Let's just keep blessing people. Why don't you pray for... All oh, right, you're also going to, while we're doing let's just pray for the um, abortion bill this week in the state parliament. Yeah. Um, that's coming before the state, which is a big deal. Yeah. So let's just, let's pray. It's good. In Jesus' name. All right, Father, we thank you that you are a good God. Yes, we thank you that you are a miracle worker. And today, Lord, we just declare your goodness over this church, over this city. Father, I just pray also for our state parliament. We pray for wisdom this week. We pray for your will will be done in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just send out our church family right now in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray for miracles. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for favour. Oh, we honour you in this place, King Jesus. May it be a miracle week like no other. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Be blessed. Be blessed. Go get a coffee. Go bless someone. Have a great Sunday, guys. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.